Hi, I am Adrian. Probably 99% of you know who I am already. Um, and we have been in a series talking about uh, hunger and thirst. And so today I want to talk about cultivating hunger. I'm, really, I'm excited about my slides, you guys. Um, hunger seems like a pretty natural thing, you know, you have it from birth. Uh, and yet there are some times that hunger isn't there, right? Um, there's a whole like subgenre of memes dedicated to how hard of a time you can have choosing a restaurant <laughs> or more specifically getting your wife to choose a restaurant. Uh, yeah, you can go to the next. Next couple. <laughs> there's like three or four. All pretty similar. Get the idea. Anybody else have this in their house? Is it just us? I know my husband will be like, okay, here we go. What about tacos? Like, uh, no, not tacos. What about spaghetti? I don't want spaghetti. What about that the Italian plate? No. What about, you know, and then you're just like, woman, please pick somewhere to eat, right? I, I don't know. I'm just hungry. Just pick something. I don't know. But you'll pick something and it'll be the wrong thing, right? And then you finally pick a thing and the kid goes, I don't eat that anymore, <laughs> right? And you're like, who doesn't eat pizza? You're eating pizza. It'll be fine, right? Um, and so, strangely enough, hunger is not always as natural as we'd like to be. Oh, show my snarkiest one. There's one more. I'm sorry, you guys. I had to. It was so funny. <laughs> Did not pass that by the pastors first, I gotta be honest. <laughs> Just thought it was funny. Uh, so, a couple weeks ago, I was experiencing this lack of appetite, right? Like the. I don't know what restaurant to eat at feeling, but like every day for like a week or longer, which is not typical for me. Like I'm very dedicated to my eating habit, right? But every day it was like, just pick something. I'll just eat it, whatever it is. I don't want, I don't want it, anything. And um, it was like things that I normally considered good. Even my favorite Indian food didn't sound good. And I had no explanation, no specific reason. And uh, so sometimes usual good things, they just don't satisfy. Matthew 5, 4 says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. I think we know that hunger and thirst are good. Like even though we don't want to experience them necessarily, I think we inherently know that like when we're not hungry, we're not thirsty, something is off, right? And so it is a blessing to hunger and thirst. So what does that look like when we're not experiencing that? How do we cultivate hunger? There are so many good things that fill our days, our time, our minds, our souls. Like, we could get overwhelmed talking about it, right? Like. Um, for me this week, lots of good things were on the table. 
um, we could have gone to the beach. We uh, had the goal to clear out the garage and organize it, um, clean kitchen, fun things with friends, volunteering at church. Um, Sophie really wanted to teach me how to draw a dragon. Um, writing this sermon, doing laundry, it's like really satisfying to me when I can get like all the laundry folded and put away in one day, you know. Uh, reading a book, spending time with my husband after our preteens who now like to stay up as long as we do are awake still, you know, um, events with friends. There are all kinds of things that are like on the table, right? And those are like specific examples from my week that I had to choose whether to say yes or to say no to. We can't do everything, right? Or at least not all at once. And so this week, there were a lot of good things that I wanted to do that I had to say no to. And um, there's other things, too, that fill us up. Uh, there's, you know, just like in a broad sense, like work and projects and kids' activities and schoolwork, theirs or ours. Um, I put this really far away. Uh, the news, social media, endless opportunities for scrolling, Googling things and worrying, social obligations, other people's opinions. Anybody else get like full of other people's opinions? Had to like fast from other people's opinions before? Uh, chores and care tasks. There's a whole conglomeration of things that we see as good or maybe sometimes not. Um, things that we choose and things that just kind of happen that fill us up. Um, it can be a lot. So Proverbs 27, seven, which is our main scripture for today says, one who is full loathes honey, but to one who is hungry, everything bitter is sweet. So this first part, one who is full loathes honey. Okay, I have brought up all the things in your life that might be overwhelming you, right? Like everybody, right? We have a lot to be full of. Some of it's really good. Some of it's less good. So the idea of being full is easy to imagine in our lives. It's also easy to imagine if you've ever had like a whole Chipotle burrito bowl at once, or maybe the burritos, those things are like the size of a child's head, right? Um, if you fed me that for dinner and then said, Ben and Jerry's brought back your favorite ice cream that they took off the shelves like 10 years ago, and I have it for you right now, do you think I would want it after a Chipotle burrito bowl? <laughs> there usually is always room for ice cream, right? But like every now and then we do get so full that the idea is like, I would literally be sick right now if I did that. And that is such a sad feeling when there is something good that you want to partake in that you have to say no to. Or even sometimes when you have to say yes to it and then you just get to feel sick. One who is full loathes honey. So what, what would the honey be, right? Like we've talked about what the, the fullness can look like. And I didn't even, that's not even exhaustive, right? There's so many other things. Honey can represent just, just a good thing. Something that we kind of all universally would agree is like a sweet, good thing. It can also represent the words of God, that his words are like honey in our mouth. And <clears throat> I love hearing from God. Like, 
I don't know if that's super normal, but like that's like one of my like things that I get really excited about when God like lets me in on something he's doing when I get to like have a specific word for someone or um, you know anything like that even just for my own life right um, but sometimes even with me specifically loving that right like there's like a whole spectrum of things that we can partake in in the kingdom and that's like my thing that I love even with that Sometimes I don't want it. Sometimes I don't feel it. And I think that part of the reason that that can be the case is because we just get too full, right? We get too full of the things of the world. We get too full of regular life. We get too full of stress. Our family, we have four kids. And we live in like a moderate sized house, like not super small, not super big. And uh, our house is getting just overrun with good things. Like we move a lot. We discovered when we went through our paperwork this year that we have moved 14 times in 14 years. <sighs> that one hurt a little. Like I don't know why it did, but to know it, it was like, whew, that's a lot. So. Anyways, there's been <clears throat> a couple of moves where, you know, everything didn't quite get gone through the way I would normally like it to. And so it had built up. And my kids got old. They were like, Mom, we don't even need all these toys. And, you know, it's like, well, I know. But also, I'd still see the value. They could be good. You could end up playing with them someday. Like, right? Like, especially, like, arts and crafts. Like, you could always use arts and craft material. Like... You know, as moms, it can be hard to, like, let go of things because we justify it. Like, we spend the money on it or whatever. And um, so, anyways, I finally just got to a point where we were wanting more space and spaciousness. And so, for the last, like, six weeks or so, we've been brutally decluttering our house. And our goal has not been to become minimalists, but our goal has been for our home to become manageable. I'm getting obsessed with this word manageable. Okay, Eric's like, you say it a lot. I'm like, but it's a good word. Because for a while, we had a lot of little kids that were just here all the time. And I gotta tell you, nothing felt manageable when I was like 23 with three kids under four or whatever it was. Like, my life is starting to feel manageable. It's nice. So anyway, so we are trying to get things to where everything is at about 50% capacity. Storage, like storage, uh, like countertops, surfaces, that kind of thing. Because when there's extra space, there's room for growth and pivoting. Like if someone gets a new Lego set that we weren't expecting. Like if we just organized and it's at 100% capacity already, what do you do when Christmas comes? It's great that it's organized, but there's no room for anything new, right? I think sometimes we need to cultivate an intentional lack, an intentional creation of space so that good things can come into our lives or so that we can see the good things that are already there. Sometimes it's not even more things that we want space for, right? Sometimes it's like peace, space to breathe. Sometimes it's time that we get when we create that space. 
time that it felt like didn't actually exist somehow before, and now it does. In Matthew 19, a guy comes up to Jesus and says, what good thing must I do to have eternal life? And Jesus is like, you know, keep the commands super hard, just be perfect, basically, what he tells him. And uh, the guy's like, well, I, I have. And, G and he says, what do I still lack? And Jesus says, if you want to be perfect, go sell all your possessions and give to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. And the guy walks away sad. I got a lot of good stuff. I don't want to get rid of it. Right? And Jesus says, it is hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. I think that sounds kind of harsh, you know? I don't always know what to do with that. But um, the thing is, like, there's a tension there, right? Like, the good news is, Jesus did everything. We don't have to be perfect. He doesn't actually want us to uphold the whole law because it's impossible, right? And at the same time, he does want us totally surrendered and broken open for him. It's like super easy, right? So I think some of this is really hard because we have a really full life. We have access to a lot. Our grocery stores always have all of the foods. You know, there's never like, all of a sudden you just need to eat pork and apples for the week because that's what we've got. So try to find like seven new ways to cook pork and apples. It's like, no, there's always things and other people will cook your food for you if you pay them enough, right? We have a weird world that we live in and life is both full of really good things and really stressful. Some of our coping mechanisms don't help. Alcohol, caffeine, phones, Netflix, work. There's lots of things that can steal our ability to be present in our everyday lives. Deadlines and never-ending emails. The laundry is never totally clean. Someone keeps wearing clothes. We can't remember the last time we watched the sunset or took time to just hang out with our kids. Even when we do, everyone fights and the dog vomits on the new carpet, right? There's college applications, sports games that are in other cities, weird school system problems, and the baby's not sleeping well, right? It's a lot. There's a meme. You guys, I'm, should I always put like at least one in every sermon, I think? <laughs> I think it's hard to remember that we have a choice. That there are things that we can say no to. That there are ways to slow down. That our job is to live in this upside down kingdom life where we put serving others above our own ambition. Where we give things away, even good things. Where we give some of our money to God even when the budget feels tight. Um, that that can create kind of a, a financial hunger where we can be fed by God's provision. Where we get to not just feel what he's doing in our hearts, but actively trust him with an area of our lives and watch how he works. 
I think there's a gift with the stretching of it. There's all these weird ways we can choose to try and distance ourselves from this comfy modern life, like camping. I don't know about you, but I have pretty high standards for my coffee until I'm camping, and then all of a sudden it's, anything goes. Sure, just coffee is great. And sometimes we might not feel like we have much to bring, right? As we keep going into this, um, I added this actually during uh, the prayer time this morning. <clears throat> I want you to hear all this, and if you get, you know, you and God are talking and you get through all this and you're like, there's not, there's not a thing that I'm supposed to declutter, right? I'm at max capacity. Um, I felt like God also wanted us to hear that if you have already done this evaluation and you're just full, and it's all full of the good things that God has called you to, he will use your loaves and fishes, right? That sometimes we are just full and we only have a little bit to give and that he will bless that little bit that we have to bring. So on to the second part of the passage. To one who is hungry, everything bitter is sweet. To one who is hungry, everything bitter is sweet. Quite a contrast to the first part of the message where, you know, we're talking about being so full. I got my Ben and Jerry's fantasy. Um, but I don't know about you, but I don't hunger for much. I don't truly get desperately hungry for much. There are seasons, but my needs are generally taken care of. I felt called to fast recently, which I'm not like a big proponent of generally, so it felt like God was doing something. Um, I think there there's a verse that talks about, you know, um, like washing your face and like don't go parading your fasting around. I think like as a rule follower, I've always been a little bit like, ooh, like I'm gonna be careful with that fasting thing, you know. Um, but I think that was really specific to their context. Um, I discovered through uh, some researching that, that it was um, really typical for them to fast like as a community, like it was like a really common part. And so it makes sense that there was this caution put against like waving your, you know, morality around, I'm fasting today, you know, or uh, kind of virtue signaling, like, hey, ashes on my face, I'm a good person, right? Um, which is pretty different than our context. And so, um, Anyway, I'll come back to that. But as I was fasting, I was surprised by how intense the hunger was because I'm so intentional about feeding myself. I did not take good care of myself with all the tiny humans I referenced earlier. And so now I make it a really specific practice to make sure that I'm feeding myself. And so I hadn't felt that really deep gnawing hunger in a while. And, uh, you know, I talked at the beginning about how like spaghetti didn't sound good and pizza didn't like when I was fasting I was like is it warm and is it filling yes that sounds good I will have that for dinner thank you right like sounds amazing my husband said he'd never seen me accept leftover spaghetti so gratefully <laughs> I'm getting better at eating leftovers um, spaghetti is not bitter the way that the verse talks about you know everything bitter is sweet but, you know, sometimes there are things in our life that don't feel appealing. Um, but because of my hunger, it felt different. 
I think fasting or other methods of intentionally choosing less opens up space for God and for community. Um, with the decluttering, it's been amazing how already we feel more open to having people in our home. I'm finding myself a lot being like, sure, you can just come over here. We got space. Maybe for you, it's not about fasting from food, but about choosing a period of time without social media. I went a year off once and it was amazing. Taking time off from TV, realizing that work has taken over family time and it's getting too common for it to just creep in. Maybe it's time to put it back where it belongs. I don't know. I'm not your Holy Spirit. I'm not here to tell you that. But um, I think fasting, whatever the thing is, right, it's this beautiful way of showing our faith by works. And, you know, in James 2, they talk about that. Like, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. Again, not really a thing, like, not like my go-to verse, personally, but I just felt really comforted by the very specific action that I felt God was asking me to take. It wasn't about my experience or, you know, listening can be such a finely tuned thing where like God is calling me into his presence and I have to still myself. There was something so grounding about just fasting. Does that make sense? So with that being said, we always say that we're a church where the table is central. I want to present an idea that's keeping the table central, but in a different way than what we might normally talk about. Yes, we take communion together, we eat out at restaurants together, we have each other over for nice dinners where we do a good job cooking, and we also have each other over for random, you bring this and I'll grab that and someone grab chips kind of a dinner. Um, let's do all of those things, right? I want more of that. But also, you know, we were talking about how life can be really stressful, just on like a normal day. And what do we do when life is extraordinarily hard? What do we fall to? What are our tools? I don't know that we have that many. I'm not sure the church or the modern culture or just us as humans are very good at digging in when things are hard. We don't know how to show up for each other. We say the wrong things. So sometimes we just say nothing. We're not very good at grieving together. And I was really moved by the way, it felt like God was really drawing my attention to the way that people fasted together. They fasted together for specific things. They fasted for safe journeys. They fasted as a way to mourn. They fasted as an act of humility. And they fasted as a way of bringing the kingdom, like what we see in Mark, where they talk about driving out unclean spirits. It's kind of a perplexing passage, right? But at the end there, it says, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer and fasting. I don't know what that means. But he says it. Like, and I'm not fasting, usually. So this feels like something that God is bringing my attention to. 
So I'd like to gently set down the idea in front of us, or maybe not so gently, I'm getting less gentle, it says gently on the paper, but what if one way we came to the table together, sometimes, was to not eat together? I think one cool thing about that in the modern church is that we could do it even without being in the same room, which could, you know, take away some of the awesomeness, because I do think I like being in the same room as you guys. But also, it's kind of awesome that in a regular work day, you could be so very full and still be fasting for your friend whose parent just died, right? And to know when you're the one going through the hard thing that all of your people are holding that space for you, it just feels really powerful. Hunger and grief are both raw and very human. And I think that's one of the things that we don't like about them as Americans, as, as modern people, right? We want to be put together. You don't want to be too vulnerable because then someone might say something dumb and then you'll be mad at them. So it's easier to just be together. So what would it look like to be so fully human together? I don't know. I'm interested. It's just an invitation. I'm not in charge. What if we fasted together for what God's doing in our building? What if we fasted for the future of this church? What if we fasted together when there's a tragedy in our community? What if we lifted up how broken this world keeps being and said, we hunger for change, God. This is not the way. This is not okay. There are things that we are just so placidly telling each other, this isn't okay. Can you, did you see how awful, again, 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 how awful. And yet we have access to the kingdom of God. We have access to change. We have access to power. And I don't want us to be so concerned about keeping it together that we can't reach up and pull heaven down. Let's be hungry together. Let's cultivate hunger even when we don't feel it. Melissa mentioned last week that we're not going to win these things politically. So let's try it another way. Let's do it the upside down way. Let's join together in fasting in, in whatever the Holy Spirit is telling us as individuals and us as a body is how we move forward. What's our place in this community? What's our place in each other's lives? How can we be the hands and feet? Maybe there are things in your life that you're, you're sure are a yes, and they take up a lot of your time. And are you looking for opportunities for how to use those everyday things? You know, you don't have to be on leadership at a church to be doing God's work. I think you probably know that, but sometimes we need to be reminded of that, that 
yeah, those other things are good things too. But maybe sometimes we do need to cultivate the hunger of serving others in a way that is sacrificial and a little scary and a little outside of what is normal. We are naturally supernatural. That's what we like to say in the vineyard. And sometimes it doesn't feel natural to be supernatural. There is a cultivating of both of those things. We can easily go too far one way, and we can easily go too far the other way and be a little too chill, too. I think sometimes the cabinets of our schedules are so full that things like serving others, like you know, taking, taking the food for the Thanksgiving drive or the school supplies or whatever, um, the, the active opportunities to serve, sometimes our, our schedules and our, our budgets and everything are so full that it kind of does taste too sweet, the honey, you know? Like we're full, we're full. But if we make space, if we save a little room, what will God do? I think if we leave a little space, that the honey will taste sweet again. I think we're being invited in this upcoming season as a church. It's just my, it's what I'm feeling. I could be wrong, but I think the Holy Spirit might be inviting us into a deeper sense of community, to coming to the table together again. <coughs> because the last couple years have been rough, guys. I think we've lost some social skills. We've lost some knowing when to press in. It can feel easier or safer to just not call, not drop by, not make the meal or, you know, do the, hey, you grab some chips and I'll grab some ground beef and we'll figure something out kind of a meal, right? I think we're being invited to the table together in this upcoming season. And I'm excited for what God's going to do. And I don't know about you, but I'd like to come to the table together hungry. <laughs>